hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for today and for our time together. We pray, Lord, that as we encounter your word, that your spirit would say what he needs to say to us today. We pray, Lord, that we would yield to your Holy Spirit, that he could have his way with us today, that uh, what he has to say to us is, is vitally important, and may our response to him be yea and amen. Uh, Lord, have your way as we encounter your word, and we ask this, Lord Jesus, in your name, amen. Amen. Well, Thanksgiving is only 19 days away. Can you believe that? It's, it's gotten here so fast. And what a wonderful time of year. Uh, the weather was cooler. The summer's taken a vacation from us. Um, soon we'll be sitting down to a, a meal with family and friends. And I think Thanksgiving is really the best meal of the year. And not because I do the cooking. But it's it, but it really is. It's a great time to just sit and enjoy family and enjoy friends. And at our house, we always take the time to just kind of share what we're thankful for. And I got to tell you, I've got a lot to be thankful for. I mean, I'm thankful for, for my wife. I'm, I'm thankful for our children. Uh, I'm thankful for two out of our three dogs. <laughs> Well, I like I love the third one. She she's in training, but I love her nonetheless. I'm thankful for for this church, which includes all of you. Uh, Discovery Point Church has uh, just been a just a blessing in my life. I'm I'm thankful for my job and the friends on my jobs and the relationships. I'm also very thankful for what God has done in my life and is doing in my life. I'm thankful for the grace and the mercy that Jesus lavishes on me each and every day. I'm thankful for the answered prayer. I'm thankful for the trials, and I'm thankful for all the tribulations. And yeah, you heard me right. I'm thankful for the trials, and I'm thankful for the tribulations. I'm thankful for the tough times. Aren't you? Amen. It's those difficult times that happen in our life that make us who we are. Even though they may be emotionally draining and uh, downright debilitating and frustrating and cause us great anguish, they are very important parts of God working in our lives. And he's doing a wonderful work through those difficult times. God has a vested interest uh, in you and in me. Amen? And when you think about the tough times that come in our lives, we're all going through something. Somebody once said you're either in a storm or you're coming out of a storm or you're headed into a storm. And some of us here today are dealing with emotional issues. Some of us are going through depression and anxiety. And we, sometimes we feel overwhelmed and we feel helpless or we, we have this sense of worry. Others of us are dealing with relational uh, issues where our marriages aren't where they need to be. We're dealing with issues with our children, issues with our parents, issues with our neighbors, 
issues with colleagues at work. Some of us are dealing with financial issues, looking for work, trying to make ends meet, stress and angst and uh, sudden expenses that just kind of keep coming and coming and coming. And still some of, some of us are dealing with health issues where the prognosis isn't good, uh, where we have trouble paying for health care, where we got this ongoing illness, we've lost a loved one. We're all dealing with something. And it's in all of these trials and circumstances, sometimes we feel like Paul does. You know, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I do do, I do want to do, I don't do. But Paul's answer in Romans chapter 7 is the answer that we need today. And that answer is Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. It's in the New Testament. It's right after Hebrews and right before 1 Peter. James chapter 1. And today in our text, James wants to remind us that when life gets tough, when the trials keep coming and we start asking God, why me? Remember, there is a reason for the difficulties that we face. There is an answer for the trials that seem to keep coming over and over and over and over. And all of us are in the same boat. And no one is immune from these trials and these tribulations. Are we in James? All right, amen. So James is, just a bit of background, he is the half-brother of Jesus. Matthew 13, 55 tells us that. And apparently, John didn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection, when Jesus showed himself to James, after which James believed in Jesus. James would later on go, go on to become the, the, the head of the church in Jerusalem. And according to Josephus, he was stoned to death by order of the Jewish high priest in A.D. 62. And in verse 1, he introduces himself. Uh, look at the text with me and his audience. Uh, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. James is writing to the early church. And he is writing to those Jews who have been dispelled and expelled uh, by the Roman Emperor Claudius, who ruled from A.D. 41 to A.D. 54. And these Jews have been dispersed throughout the Roman Empire because of issues with non-Christian Jews and issues with the Romans. And James is writing these Jews who've been dispelled to encourage them. And he's writing also to encourage you and me. And he wants us to understand that even though we go through trials and even though we go through tribulations, there is encouragement in the storm. There is encouragement in the storm. And so James wants us to understand the perspective that we need to have when we go through trials. The perspectives of trials. Look at verse 2. 
where James says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. James says that when trials come in our lives, when tribulation shows up, that we are to consider it all joy. Now, at first we think maybe James has kind of lost his mind. I mean, who thinks about joy in the midst of trials and tribulations? Nobody. And that's the problem. James says that we need to consider it all joy. The Greek word here is hegeomai, and it has the idea of to think or to regard or to reckon. It is to change the thinking of the mind when we encounter various trials. And that we are to, and the emphasis, guys, is on joy. James says that we ought to change our minds or to regard the, the trial, to regard the tribulation in a joyful manner. Matter of fact, the Greek word for joy here is karan, and it means joy or gladness or anything that causes cheer. And so he says to consider it all joy. And I thought about Pastor Ron, because, you know, he often says all means all, and that's all all means. And so when we go through trials, James wants us to change our thinking from why me to, to consider it joy, consider it all joy. And notice what he says. Consider it all joy, my brethren, if you go through various trials. If. When. When you go through various or multifaceted trials, and the idea here is simply this, when trials come, and they will, they will come in ways that we do not expect them to come. They will come in ways that we won't even see them coming. It'll be like a diamond, that mo it is multifaceted. But James says still, count it all joy to cultivate this mindset of being joyful. It's countercultural and it's counterintuitive. Has James lost his mind? No. Remember, he's writing to Jewish believers who are experiencing persecution and have been dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. You realize that they're having to depend on others. They have no homes. They've lost their um, they're probably their finances, and they're having to depend on the kindness of others. They've lost this sense of security. Nonetheless, even in the storm, they ought to glorify Jesus. Because non-believers, non-Christians are watching. And guess what? You and I, when we find ourselves going through various trials need to consider it all joy. Why? Because the world is watching us. Those unbelieving co-workers, they're watching you. That unbelieving neighbor, she's watching you to see how you're going to respond. And what better way than the world to see Jesus in us is to see joy on our faces when we find ourselves in various trials, in various storms. Even in the difficulty, we can have joy. You remember the, the apostles in Acts chapter 5? 
uh, verse 41. Uh, they, they had gone before the Sanhedrin, the um, Supreme Court of, 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 of Jerusalem at the time, and they were preaching Jesus and were told not to preach Jesus. And look at what the text says, Acts 5, verse 41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, this is the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. See, they were beaten for proclaiming Jesus. They were beaten for proclaiming the gospel. And they didn't come away, oh, woe is me, we won't do this again. Dr. Luke says they came away rejoicing that they were considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And that's the mindset we ought to have when we go through various trials. What if we looked at trials this way? What if we saw them as an opportunity, not a first, not, or an instrument rather, not a frustration, but an opportunity to glorify God? What if we changed our thinking about how we express ourselves when trials come and used it to glorify Jesus? You know, for the past, the past three weeks, actually it's been a little longer than that, I've been dealing with a, with a personality at work. Uh, who has been very unprofessional. And every day for the last three or four weeks, I have prayed more than I've ever prayed here this year, that people would see Jesus in me and that they wouldn't, they wouldn't see Rod, but that they would see Jesus. And I have worshipped more at work so that people could see Jesus rather than them seeing Rod. Because uh, Rod, Rod wouldn't be very nice. And Rod would want to say some things. Rod would want to want to express himself. But I want people to see Jesus. And even though it's been frustrating, I think people have seen Christ in me. Uh, because they see the smile. They, they hear me singing in my cubicle. They hear me singing in the lab. They hear me worshiping. Because I want folks to see Jesus even in the midst of strife and struggle. And so James says that our perspective concerning trials is to be joyful, not frustrated, but joyful. Then he gives us the purpose of trials. Look at verse 3 with me. Yes, there is a purpose to trials. Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. When you and I go through various trials, God, Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come, is testing our faith. That's what James says. He says, knowing. He says, understand. Make sure you get this. Make sure you learn this, church, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It produces endurance. It produces the ability to withstand the rigors of the trial and not lose heart. The testing produces the ability to hold up 
when our world is falling down around us. It produces the ability to depend on the Son and the Spirit and the Scriptures during difficult times. And through prayer and worship, we find strength to endure the storm. Amen? I remember when, I think it was a couple of years ago, um, when I had a small stroke. It was in February. And after the stroke, I went home and was still a little weak on the left side. And so I started going to a local gym and hired a trainer. And the, the first couple of days, I could barely make it up a flight of stairs because this left leg was just so weak. But I endured each and every day, and he put me through some pain and some things, but I kept going, and I kept going, and I kept doing the exercise, and up the stairs, and down the stairs, and started out with just a little bit of weight, and then he, he gradually added more and more and more, so that by month three, I was able to get up and down the stairs fairly easily. By month three, I was able to lift the heavy weight and not struggle. I was able to do the push-up, the inverted push-ups uh, that were killing me, um, and make it through. Didn't happen overnight, but his continuing to push and push and push caused me to endure. And that's what trials do in our lives. They create endurance. They help us to make it through the storm. Why? Because we find ourselves depending and relying on the Son and the Spirit and the Scripture. You can tell Pastor Ron I stole that. But that's what the storms do. They produce endurance within us. The Greek word for testing is very interesting. It's dokimion, and it, it means to learn the genuineness or the quality of something by examination. The testing of our faith reveals the genuineness, the robustness of our, of our faith. It shows us how much faith we really have. But here's the catch. It doesn't show, it doesn't show God how much faith we have. He already knows. It shows us if our faith is really real. See, God wants us to know if our amen on Sunday or Saturday night translates to life on Monday or Sunday morning. It's easy for us to amen what's said here in this room. But once we get out there, God wants us to know if we really meant that amen. And that's what trials do. They show us how genuine our faith really is. Wilbur Nelson, in his book, Anecdotes and Illustrations, tells this story. He says, when I see the magnificent Golden Gate Bridge, I remember that an engineer must take into account three loads or stresses while designing the bridges. These are the dead load, the live load, and the wind load. He says, the dead load is the weight of the bridge itself. The live load is the weight of the daily traffic that the bridge must carry. The wind load is the pressure of the storms that beat at the bridge. The designer plans for bracings that will enable the bridge to bear all these loads. He says, in our lives, too, 
We need bracings, which make it possible to carry the dead load of self, the live load of daily living, and the wind load of emergencies. He says that when we place our trust in Christ, he gives us the strength we need to withstand these various stresses. He thus gives our lives usefulness, stability, and durability. It helps us to see when we go through trials that we need Jesus and that he is working in our lives so that we can endure the storm. Amen? Amen. These tests, these trials, are designed to produce patience. Now, why patience? Let me tell you. But I want you to remember, the perspective of trials is joy. The purpose of trials is to, to produce patience. And the product of the trials is maturity. Look at verse 4 with me. Paul says, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Paul says, let endurance. That's the command. Allow the storm. Allow what God is trying to produce in us. Let it have its perfect result or its complete result. Read this with me. So that you may be Perfect and what? Complete. Lacking in nothing. So that you may be perfect and complete. The Greek word here for perfect is teleoi, and it means mature. It, it, it means full grown, without defect or blemish. It means complete. The trials, the multifaceted trials that you and I encounter, are designed to give us endurance so that we can be mature as Christians, so that we can endure the storm. The Greek word for complete is halakleroi, and it means whole or blameless or with integrity. God uses the storms and the trials in our lives to create patience through the storm. And that patience makes us perfect, makes us mature, makes us complete. That is God's driving force in our lives to make us mature believers. Amen? And he uses the storms of life and trials to produce that in us. An unknown author has said, when I worked in a machine shop, we had a department that was called a heat treat department. He says, some of the metal was heated so hot that it became white. And across the top of that white hot liquid surface came portions of what is called slag or dross that needed to be wiped away by a worker in an, in an asbestos suit. He says, the purpose of removing the slag was to make the metal as nearly pure as possible. He says, the heat of our trials bring to the surface the dross that binds us. And Jesus is the one who wipes it clean. Jesus wants us to be mature believers. And he uses trials to produce that in us. Colossians, for example, Colossians 1.28, Paul says this, 
He says, we proclaim him, and that's Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that, here's the purpose clause, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which works mightily in me. Paul tells the church at Colossae that he, he strives every day to show every man, to present every man complete in Christ. The idea here is mature. Paul in Ephesians verses four, uh, verses 11 through 15 says this. He says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the works of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to what? To a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful, deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Paul tells the church at Ephesus that God has sent you preachers and pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets to help you become mature in Christ. So that you are no longer children. And the writer of Hebrews puts, puts it this way, and I love this, in Hebrews 5 verses 12 through 14. Paul tells, or the writer of Hebrews, rather, tells, tells this church, that these Jews, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. And that's not a good thing, by the way. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he is an infant. But solid food is for, for the mature. Who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And the writer of Hebrews admonishes these Jews that he's writing to. You, sh you ought to be teachers, but you need somebody still to teach you. That you're not ready for, for solid food. You still need milk. Well, guess what? God wants all of us. To mature, he wants all of us to grow up and be more like Jesus each and every day. Go to the next picture. Next slide. This is not what Jesus wants us to look like each and every day. Sadly, uh, this, this picture characterizes the American church today. Sadly. This is what the American church looks like. Jesus wants us to be mature believers. And so he will send trials, multifaceted trials, so that we might endure. And through that, we might learn to, to mature and be more like Jesus. Does that make sense? Ruth Harm Calkin, uh, in her book, Tell Me Again, Lord, I Forget, writes this little poem. It's called Free Me, Lord. 
it goes like this. It says, Lord, just today I read that Paul and Silas were stripped and beaten with wooden whips, again and again with rods slashed across their bare backs. But in their desolate dungeon, their feet clamped in stocks, they prayed, they sang, they praised. In this musty midnight of my life, imprisoned in a dungeon of confusion, bound by chains of anguish, help me, please help me. Help me to pray. Help me to sing. To praise. Until the foundation shakes. Until the gates fling open. Until the chains fall off. Until I am free to share the good news with other chain-bound prisoners. And I love that sentiment in the midst of strife and struggle and despair and desperation, there is prayer and there is praise. And there is dependence on God to deliver. And once he has delivered, I love that, help me to help others. So when trials come, I want to leave you with three things. Number one, they aren't always pleasant, but they are a normal part of the Christian life. And remember, when trials come, that God is working through the hardships and pain to make us more like Jesus. Remember this. Secondly, when trials come, don't lose heart. Hillary Scott uh, mourning the loss of a child, wrote the song, Thy Will Be Done. And in the song, she expresses, I don't understand, but your will be done. Sometimes it's hard to pray, but your will be done. And even here sometimes, we sing that song, uh, you give and take away. You give and take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Don't lose heart in the storm, but find your strength through worship and through prayer. Depend on the Son, depend on the Spirit, and depend on the Scriptures. Thirdly and lastly, when you come out of the storm, encourage someone who was going through what you've already experienced. Come alongside them and help them to endure what you've already endured so that they can help someone else who you may not know go through the same thing. Does that make sense? As Thanksgiving approaches and when you gather with your family, Lord willing, on that day, and you talk about the things that you're thankful for. Don't forget the storms. Don't forget the trials that God has used to make us who we are today. An old country preacher once says, when the Lord sends tribulation, he expects us to tribulate. Paul put it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, sometimes 
we have a difficult time finding joy in the midst of our struggles and strife. But Lord, our prayer today is that the words of James would ring throughout our mind and our ears when we find ourselves encountering various trials. Help us to have a mindset of joy, knowing that you are doing a work in our lives. We love you, Lord. And we don't always understand what you're doing, but we know that you are good and we trust you. And may we, may we worship you even through the difficult times. And Lord, we ask and declare this in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.